bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobil. And now, today's Word. Well, this Sunday, I am not preaching on the the Hosanna uh, triumphant entry as I usually do normally when we are commemorating Christian events. I preach on the event, but I had promised that I would be continuing my message on uh, lead me, Lord. So uh, we would go in that direction. So this is part two of my message from last week, lead me, Lord. As you know, this is our year of leadership and we are talking about leadership from every aspect of it and we hope that by the end of the year we would have covered a substantial amount uh, of information uh, related to leadership. And one of the things we have covered is that leaders need to be led and every leader at some point in their lives uh, would be led by someone else. But it's important that leaders need uh, or learn to be led by God. And today we're going to cover some very important aspects uh, of that leadership. Uh, We're going to talk about some wrong forms of seeking for leading. And then we're going to compare the leadership of Saul and the leadership uh, of, uh, of David and how each one of them sought the leading of the Lord. Um, So we'll go back to the passage we uh, uh, highlighted last week. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 to 22, and this is for us to recap some of the things we said in the part one. Exodus 13, verses 21 to 22, uh, speaking about how God led Israel, and it says, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And we talked about the fact that God leads us by day and by night. And we said by day, the cloud leads the way. And the daytime is a time when you see clearly, when you are not in doubt as to what is the right path to follow. And when we are clear, we, we obey God. So when the word of God is clear on a subject, we obey. We don't uh, continue to pray, Lord, tell me what to do. When God says, thou shalt not commit adultery, you don't stand on the doorway of adultery and pray for God's will to be done. You just obey and don't commit adultery. So the word of God is clear. So that by day is when God's word is clear. By night, uh, he gives us light. The nighttime is when God's word is not too clear. We're not too sure of how to uh, make a decision. And there are many areas where we're not sure, should I do this on Monday or Tuesday? You can't find any scripture that says do it on Monday or Tuesday. Should I marry Mary or Joanna? Or should I marry uh, Gregory? There are still people called Gregory. Uh, or, uh, uh, you know, so you're not really sure, uh, Lord, should I do that? You can't find a scripture verse to speak to that. You are in the dark, you are in the night. 
And at that time, the word of God must be made clear. So when the word of God is not clear on a subject, we seek clarity. And God gives us light. And uh, I said last week that I was going to teach on how God gives us light, but I'm making a stopover before I go into that because this was going to be a two-part message, but the more I considered it, I thought that I need to stop here before I go to teach on how to really know the leading of God. So uh, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 32, Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verses 9 to 12, Deuteronomy 32 Verses 9 to 12. Deuteronomy 32, verses 9 to 12. And he reads, For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stares up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them up on its wings. So the Lord alone led him and there was no foreign God with him. Now, the part I'm going to focus on is the verse 12, and you underline it in your Bible or in your iPad, where whichever instrument you're using. So the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God with him. It's talking about how God led Israel for the 40-year period in the wilderness, and this is describing the condition of their leading, how God led them. And it says, the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God with him. I'm going to break down that verse uh, a little for us. The first part is the Lord alone led him. When God led Israel in the wilderness, he was the only one who led Israel. There was no confusion as to where they were getting their leading from, where they were getting their guidance from, where they were getting their instruction from. God's relationship with Israel was exclusive. So is his relationship with us. He doesn't share relationship with any other deity. We are his portion and his inheritance. The Lord alone led them. That means complete Dependence on God's help. To depend on God completely. And for us to get to the point where we depend on God completely, we must have a personal relationship with him. He must not just be the God of our fathers. He must be our God. He must not be the God we go to meet in church, but he must be the God who lives inside us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Complete dependence on God's help. If you want to be led by God, you have to completely depend on him. It also means complete reliance on God's leading. God leads us by his Holy Spirit, and we have to completely rely on his Holy Spirit to lead us. It's so critical 
to what I'm, I'm teaching today. Total, absolute reliance on God's leading. The Lord alone led him. The second part of that verse is there was no foreign God with him. Not only did God alone lead him, that's the positive aspect, but there was no foreign God. There was no foreign God. This is to make it clear, this is God leading them and there's no other source of leading. And so what does it mean that there was no foreign God with him? It means complete separation from idolatry. Complete separation from idolatry. Anything that makes us give worship and devotion to any being or deity outside of Christ is idolatry. If we want to be led by God, then he alone must lead us and there must be no foreign God. It also means complete rejection of demonic divination. If you want God to lead you, these are the conditions. He alone must lead you, no foreign God. So you, you cannot say, oh yeah, I'll go to church and, and, and God will lead me and then uh, after church I will, I will go somewhere else for God to lead me. No, it's God alone and no foreign God. Because uh, part of uh, uh, the experience uh, we, we have come to understand is that there are a lot of Christians, especially from our part of the world, who uh, believe that you can serve God and seek his help and also serve other gods and seek their help. And they would say things like, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's, and which is true. But you don't give to Caesar what is God's. So Caesar, by the way, is not a God. It's civil authority. What you have to do for civil authority, and Jesus answered that specifically in relation to paying taxes. Pay your taxes to government, and pay your tithe to God. Basically, that's what he's saying. You don't tithe to government. You tithe to church. You tax to government. But he didn't mean that we worship God a little and worship the devil a little. That's not what he meant. Each one has its fear. There are some things you give to Caesar and not to God. And there are some things you give to God and not to Caesar. So there, there is exclusivity in our relationship with God. He led them alone and there was no foreign God with him. If you want God to lead you, you have to make that decision. I'm going to let him lead me alone and no foreign God. Now when God took Israel as a nation, he gave them strict instruction as to how to seek guidance. Because he knew that they would need guidance. Everybody needs guidance. Everybody wants to know what will happen tomorrow. How will things turn out next week? Will this business prosper? Uh, will, will I be able to make it? Will this thing work? This thing I want to achieve? Uh, will I receive the help? All of that. Everybody needs guidance. The question is, where are you getting the guidance from? And he told them where not to get the guidance from. Deuteronomy chapter 18 Verse 9 to 14. 
Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 to 14. And this is what he tells them specifically. And this is what he tells them. Pay close attention. He says, and when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. Now, what, what God is saying is, Israel, I've taken you from Egypt. I've carried you for 40 years. I'm taking you to a land. You will have neighbors. And those neighbors have got ways of dealing with life. Don't imitate that. Then verse 10. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For those, these nations which will dispossess, for these nations which you will dispossess, listened to soothsayers. And diviners, but as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. He says, These these people you'll go to see, the reason I'm giving you the land is because they didn't listen to me. So don't go and learn that behavior. Now I, I like the verse 10 and 11 because it sets out what they were not supposed to do, and I'll read it from the old King James Version because. You know, I started my Bible study from King James, and my mind is always King James. Even when you read other versions, your, your mind is still memorizing King James. So I'll go back to my old King James. And it says in verse 10, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. Now, there are eight of them. Some of them overlap, and I'm going to go through each one of them. Now, he starts by saying, you, you don't have to allow any of your sons and daughters to pass through the fire. I'm not going to deal with that, because that does not necessarily have to do with divination or seeking guidance. Uh, because that was a human sacrifice, because the, the, the people around were sacrificing their sons and daughters, some for victory in battle uh, or for whatever, as you know, in, in Ghanaian parlance, would say that you know, he has gone to use this for money. Uh, he, he sacrificed his son uh, for money or daughter for money, uh, and, and whatever it is. But those days, so that they win a battle and, 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 and conquer their enemies, they sacrifice their children, those human sacrifices. But he gives them wrong ways of seeking direction. Wrong ways of seeking direction. And I want you to pay close attention. And there are eight of them. The first one is divination. Divination is consulting an oracle to predict the future. 
going to a source of a deity uh, to find out how the future is going to become. Divination is a general term that refers to the whole practice of knowing the future and the outcome of events outside of God's prescribed paths. Second is observer of times. Observer of times is predicting lucky days and unlucky days. These include astrologers who tell you this is your lucky month, this is your lucky day. If you are starting a business, start it on this day, start it on that day. Don't start on Wednesday because Wednesday is your bad day. They recommend certain months for an enterprise, forbid certain days. They decide which day is a good luck day for you, which day is a bad luck day for you. They read the times. They observe times. So, if, if, if you're going to do something, somebody says, well, God says that Wednesday is not for you, or Fridays are not good for you. You're going to start your businesses. Don't start on this day because this is your bad day. It's not your lucky day. Just know where the source is coming from. The third is enchanter. Enchanter is somebody who interprets omens and tokens. It may refer to people who divine the future by reading cards, reading the palm, or reading other objects. Sometimes it means by reading in other cultures the flight of birds in the Roman uh, culture. Uh, they call them the augurs. The, the birds, the doves fly and they read it and tell you how the future is going to be. It's called enchantment. Some people do it through uh, reading the entrails of an animal. Some throw calories on the floor. Uh, some read all kinds of things. Uh, that is called enchantment. And then there is witchcraft. Now, this witchcraft here is not the same as witchcraft in our Ghanaian, you know, in our Ghanaian uh, 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 parlance. Witchcraft here is sorcery or doing magical works. Doing magical works. This is a word that is used in Exodus chapter 7, uh, talking about the magicians of Pharaoh. And if you would notice, the magicians of Pharaoh duplicated the miracles of Yahweh. When God turned water into blood, they also turned water to blood. You know, so, so they, could, they could also work miracles. They could work acts. And that is sorcery. So just because somebody is working miracles does not mean it's from God. Because sorcery also works miracles. If you see the work of a sorcerer, you may be tempted to call it a miracle of God. If you were there when Moses was working, he puts his hand to his bosom, it turns into leprosy, the Pharaoh's people do the same, he puts the stick down, it turns into snake, Pharaoh's people do the same, you would say all of them are miracle workers, but the source is not the same. One is working by the finger of God, one is working by the finger of the devil. Don't just judge the activity. You have to go beyond the spirit driving the activity. So that is sorcery or witchcraft. The number five is a charmer. A charmer. A charmer is one who casts spells or binds 
elements to people in, in our language would say he has bound him. Ifimole. <laughs> so you, you take your enemy to this person and he binds him. Or you're going to play football and they say you have to bind the number 11. That's a charmer. Or you like a, a girl and the girl doesn't like you and you go to see somebody and the person say, I can make her like you. We call it in Ghana for girls. <laughs> That's a charmer. That's a charmer. Now, so so if, you, if, you're not, if people are not listening to your proposal, please don't go and do these things. Or people will say, well, your, the other storekeeper is, is stealing all your business, so they will bind him, they, and they will make sure that he doesn't get any customers. That is not God. And even if the person is doing it in the name of Jesus, it's not God. Because God doesn't bless you by binding somebody else. So, if you're a Christian shopkeeper and somebody is getting more sales than yours, you don't go and say, God, destroy his business. You just pray and say, God, bless my work. Bless my work. How he deals with the other person is none of your concern. Your concern is, Lord, bless my work. So if somebody says, I'm going to bind all the people on your line, all the people you work with, I'm going to bind all of them and God will give you breakthrough, it's not coming from Jehovah. That's the work of a charmer. The charmers seek to affect people's behavior through magical means. And they use a ring or a talisman or some other emblem. They will give you something to hold on to, something to uh, recite at certain times, something to put under your bed, something to drink. If you've drunk any of those things, you need to get them out of your system. Then the number six is the consulter with familiar spirits. Now this we would touch on a little bit later from now. But familiar spirits are imitating spirits or mimicking spirits. And I will show you how that works. These are spirits that know a person and can mimic him in appearance, thoughts, and language. So a familiar spirit is a demonic spirit that lives around people and places and can recount or reenact stories or events with accuracy. With accuracy. So they can do things that will mesmerize you and you say, wow, how did he know that? It's a familiar spirit. We'll see how that works very soon. The seventh is wizard, a wizard. A wizard is an expert in spiritist operations, warlocks, spirits, people who deploy in our setting, dwarfs, spirits that dwell in trees, in mountains, in water bodies, and so on. That is wizardry. You don't receive guidance from God by going to bath in the ocean at 12 midnight. You don't receive guidance from God by going to the bush at certain times of the night to do certain particular rituals. That is not God. That is wizardry. If you come to me and say, Pastor, I need guidance, and I say, meet me 
at Ebri Forest, Ebri Gardens at 12 on the dot. And I take you to a particular tree and surround it seven times. Leave me alone. Because from that time, I have abandoned Christ and I'm dealing in wizardry. And the number eight is necromancer. Necromancer is one who seeks to consult the dead. Talk to your dead aunt, your dead uncle, your dead ancestor. In the, in the times this was written, necromancers made use of the bone or the vein of a dead person, the hair of a dead person, other things, and they pretend to raise ghosts by various incantations and other magical ceremonies. Now, most, there are a lot of people who use these forms of guidance to make decisions in life. And a lot of leaders surround themselves with people who operate these forms of divination. In the Bible, you'll find that kings and important leaders were surrounded by diviners. Pharaoh had them in his court. They were all over. The Philistine kings had them. Nebuchadnezzar had them. Some kings of Israel had them. So uh, if Nebuchadnezzar wanted to divine or to know the future, he would just go to one of these guys and say, tell me, and remember the story, uh, and they couldn't really tell him what it was, and eventually Daniel had to come and say what it was. In the same way, Pharaoh uh, had a dream, and he went to his regular uh, diviners. They couldn't tell him, and Joseph had to properly tell him. The thing about kings and leaders, and when I say kings, I'm not, I don't mean kings necessarily. I mean everybody in leadership, chief executives, leaders of nations, leaders of big organizations, is that we have to always make decisions. Leadership is about decisions. And when you're making a decision, you don't know whether it will work or not. If you're a businessman, you don't know, should I invest here? Should I not invest here? Will this thing work? Will that not work? We always want to be certain. So you don't go and waste your money or have a business partner who will come and destroy your business or receive a client who will come and mess you up. So we are always seeking for guidance. The question is not just your desire for guidance. It is where are you getting it from? Where are you getting from? Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.